Profiles in Teaching with Technology is a podcast series created by Music First, a company dedicated to providing world-class cloud-based tools, content, and classroom management platforms to music teachers around the world. Each episode features a K-12 music educator who uses technology to enhance their teaching in innovative ways. We'll discuss the what, why, and how of their technology integration and hopefully share some teaching strategies that you can use in your own classroom. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. There you'll be able to find out about all of our platforms, as well as sign up for a free 30-day trial. Denise Gagne is a music specialist with 40-plus years of experience teaching band, choir, and classroom music from preschool to college levels. Her choirs and band won many awards at music festivals and performed for local and national sporting events, on national radio, and even for the Queen. Denise has a Bachelor of Music from the University of Victoria, a Bachelor of Education from the University of Saskatchewan, a Diploma in Music from the University of Auckland, and a Postgraduate Diploma in Fine Arts with Kodai Level 3 from the University of Calgary with Lois Choksi. Denise has served on the boards of the Saskatchewan Music Educators Association, the Saskatchewan Band Association, and served for eight years on the board of the Kodai Society of Canada. Denise is currently managing editor of Themes and Variations, preschool music teacher and frequent visitor to elementary school music classrooms. She is the author or editor of more than 100 publications for K-6 music teachers, including the Music Play and Music Play Online curriculum. She has been a workshop presenter in every Canadian province and territory and all 50 states. She presents regularly for Orphan Kodai workshops, preschool and kindergarten conferences in Canada, the USA, Asia and Australia. Her workshops are fun, practical and activity-based. Well, this week I am absolutely thrilled uh, to welcome a music educator who I have long admired and I'm very, very pleased to announce that uh, uh, Denise Gagne and her fabulous product, Music Play Online, is now going to be available through Music First. Denise, I've uh, I've known of your work. Uh, we've bumped into each other at conferences over the years, and I'm just absolutely thrilled uh, that we're finally working together. So welcome to the podcast. Thank you. And, and we're excited to be working with Music First as well. So Denise, um, you know, in, in the little that I do know of you and, and over the last couple of months that we've been talking, I know that you are a longtime music educator. So what I'd love our listeners to get a sense of is your career as a music educator, um, you know, from when you first started out after um, university uh, until you where, where you are now, maybe like a five to 10 minute uh, snapshot of, of your career would be great. Sure. Um, I graduated with my music degree three years at the University of Victoria. And then my fourth year, I got a scholarship to go to New Zealand. And I did a year at the University of Auckland and did ethnomusicology there. It was very fun. Um, I came back and because the school years are timed somewhat differently, I ended up working in Vancouver in the complaint department of an insurance company. Really good (laughs) training for becoming a teacher. Absolutely. That's great. Yeah, that was that was so fun. Um, So I had a music degree and I was debating between education and law school and couldn't couldn't quite make up my mind. I had worked at Canada Manpower, which was an employment, the government employment agency for students. 
um, for, for three summers. And I went in to visit them and noticed an opening for a band teacher in the middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan. I was in Vancouver in a big city, middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan is these wee tiny towns and they have a really hard time attracting teachers. Right. So I threw out applications and I got offered two jobs over the phone with no qualifications as a teacher, just a music degree. And so I bought a little truck and I drove with all my belongings to the middle of nowhere, Saskatchewan, where I started teaching um, basically band and choir in high school. So I was the band and choir teacher and I was a traveling teacher, six towns, um, driving in country roads, 40 below weather. It was Oh huge my. learning curve after six, coming six from, different towns in for in, yes. in one position one position one <laughs> position that was the life of the itinerant music teacher wow um, yeah so fun so i did that for several years until i had my first baby oh in between i went back to university for a year and i got my education degree at oh, the God. university of saskatchewan and that secured my position for forever and 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 um, they invited me back after the year that I'd taken off. So after I taught the itinerant thing for a few years, I had a baby, did not want to continue on the road like that. Mm -hmm. And so they gave me a position in one school where I taught kindergarten to grade 12, everybody. Wow. So there was one year where I had kindergartens one period, grade 12 band the next. You, you have to just really give your head a shake when you're <laughs> switching like that. Absolutely. And I, I always say thank you to those kids in Macklin, Saskatchewan. I always say they taught me how to teach. Um, and and they were they were wonderful kids, a very musical community. And I don't think I even appreciated it at the time, how musical it was. Um, so out of those kids that I taught in Macklin, Saskatchewan, I count about 10 of them now as professional musicians and music educators across the country. Oh, wow. And this is the school that had 400 kids, K-12, 200 in the high school. Um, when I left that position, I had 170 out of 200 high school kids in either band or choir or both. And that to me, is my biggest success. Yeah, that's that. incredible as a teacher. But I discovered while while doing that K-12 position, I loved the little people. And so when husband and I decided to make the move to Alberta, to a town in between the coast for me and the prairie for him, we um, I, I went elementary and it was the best move ever. I did my Kodai levels with Lois Choksi in Calgary. Oh, wow. I did my ORF levels along the way. I did, uh, actually my first ORF experience was in Vancouver with Jos Wojtek, who's a fine ORF educator, and really got excited about the, um, the elementary area. Mm -hmm. Along the way, let's see, it was still in Saskatchewan, and it was the year my son was born, so 1989. We, um, we, my school won a competition to get a resident composer for a year. And this resident composer was, um, had been trained at the Berkeley Institute in Boston. And he taught me finale. He taught me how to use a Macintosh computer. At that time, it was an SE30. Oh, wow. And Very I started, cool. that's when I started writing teaching materials. Because I had the laser printer, I had the computer. It was the very beginning of the desktop publishing world. Yep. Um, I had published three publications with a company called J. Weston Walsh. 
and they, they only wanted middle school material. So I still have a 1983 publication I get royalties from. It's called Music Theory for Beginning Bands. But the same company didn't want my elementary stuff and I knew it was good. Right. So I decided to go out and do it on my own. And that's when Themes and Variations got born. Themes was going to be, I was going to write music to go with the themes that classroom teachers taught. Oh, and the right. Variations was going to be all the music materials. So I think the very first resource was um, We've Only Got One Planet, a set of songs about the environment. That was the themes. But what really took off for us was the flashcards, the recorder resource, the actual sort of meaty teaching materials. And so by the time I moved to Alberta in the early 1990s, I already had a small catalog and Northwest Music in Vancouver, big music store, were really good to give local authors an opportunity to present. So the very first presentation I did, they gave me 10 minutes before lunch. In the morning, I was following John Jacobson. In the afternoon, oh. was Henry Leck. I got sandwiched in between these two phenomenal presenters. Actually, it was the other way around. Henry Leck was the morning. John Jacobson was the afternoon. Henry Leck picked children's choir music that was much too hard for mm. our teachers, many of whom are classroom teachers just doing some music. And so the music was way over their heads. They were frustrated. They, they couldn't sing it. They couldn't do it. They couldn't keep up. And Denise got on the stage and I did 10 minutes of simple little things that were melodic and easy to learn. And what I had on the table at Northwest Music sold out in 10 it's, minutes. Of course, of course. So that was that was kind of the launch of themes and variations. And I started workshopping after that. Alberta teachers conventions were a wonderful stepping stone. And then it broadened. Um, I've now done workshops in every state, every province, every territory, and a fair number of different countries as well. Wow. So that I hope is short enough. Um, it's been a no, it's great. It's been a really fun adventure. And so did you did when did you or I forgive me uh, for not knowing, but did you, how long were you running both companies until you said, I, I need to, to leave teaching? That was a difficult choice, but right. I got forced into it. And in retrospect, it's the best thing that ever happened. So in the early 2000s, um, we had a district superintendent that started making an intellectual property policy they knew I was writing, they knew I was very successful. And instead of supporting me, they made me make a decision between teaching and writing. They implemented a policy that said, if you are writing materials while you are teaching, they belong to the school district. And at that point, I had already written the first editions of Music Play, and I wasn't going to share the copyright with the school district. Absolutely not. <laughs> no. So I took a leave for a year and just basically focused on the business. I had a brother-in-law who said to me at one point, he said, Denise, teaching is costing you money. Yep. And I didn't realize the wisdom of his words until I had that year where I devoted it completely to the business because that's when things got bigger and bigger and bigger. So after I, I applied for a second leave, they didn't give it to me. And so unfortunately I was forced into retirement quicker than I had wanted. So altogether, I taught about 25 years. Right. Um, and I wish I could have continued uh -huh. an afternoon a week forever after that, but it wasn't 
possible with that district's yeah, so short-sighted, so such a silly, silly, arbitrary. You know, the 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 fact is that I, I wrote a book on copyright law that technically he's right. Um, you know, if you're working on the clock for a school district, technically everything you write is theirs. Um, but I had a much more supportive superintendent than you, it sounds like, because he would give me, he knew that my heart was in being out on the road and spreading the gospel of music technology, if you will. And he gave me um, 15 personal days a year where I had to um, pay for the sub, but he allowed me, he said, basically, we know you're going to leave at some point and we want to delay that as much as possible. <laughs> well, um, I'm so glad you had that support. Yeah, because... it's just sad to hear that you yeah. didn't. I mean, the kids are ultimately the losers uh, as a result. I'm sure they were devastated when you left. It was it was a hard decision. Yeah. The, the good thing is, though, now when I go into a school and I go as often as I'm able as a guest teacher, I don't have to do all the, the <laughs> mundane stuff. I don't have parent teacher interviews. I don't have to go on outdoor supervision when it's 20 below. I don't have to um, clean up puke if somebody vomits. Exactly. And... <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> it's just like being a grandparent almost. It's like you... it is. I call myself the grandma teacher now oh, and I love great. it. So more my more recent teaching has been actually with my grandkids. My daughter is a music teacher and she's oh, really fabulous. a good teacher. And so I visited her classroom probably once a week when she was first starting out. And at that point she would say, you know, mom, every time you come in, I learn something. Now I go watch her teach, occasionally teaching her classes. And every time I go in, I learn something. Oh, that's wonderful. An amazing teacher. But as the grandkids started, my oldest is going to be 17. So 17 years ago, I started going to these baby music classes with mm -hmm. them. And I followed them through baby music classes, through preschool. And I started volunteering at the preschools to do preschool music with oh, the that's children. Great. And that was that was fabulous music play pre-k is the best grade level of music play and it's because it was created with love and it was done in family music classes baby music classes and preschool music classes with the grandkids oh that's fabulous oh that's wonderful um before we get further into music play and music play online i would love to know um because our you know you're our you you're from canada and our neighbors to the north here in in the united states i don't think the majority of americans have very much idea about what goes up what goes on north of the border we kind of and you probably are you know in in kind of you know, in a similar way, watching television saying, what on earth are these people doing to the South? But I'd love to know, you know, because you have your, um, you know, you've been to every state and every province, I wonder, just real quick, if you could explain the differences between music education in Canada versus the United States. I don't, I don't know if that's easy to do. I, I think the biggest thing that I see differently is that the American music teachers are better trained. Where, uh, where there are districts that support music, they have a teacher that has to have certain qualifications. And that isn't nearly as much the case in Canada. Mm. It depends. Urban centers will have better trained teachers. You go into the rural areas, and if you sing in the church choir, you get to be the music teacher. Ah, got it. So that that I think is the biggest, the, the biggest difference. There, there's small differences between Canadian and American schools. American schools have lunchrooms. 
and a cafeteria and the kids all get provided with some kind of a lunch. In Canadian schools, our kids take a lunch. They have a lunch bag and they they bring their own lunch. Right. Um, I think perhaps it's a little healthier for the kids. Yeah, I'm sure it is. <laughs> <laughs> um, but really there there is a lot more that's similar then there is things that are different. Very cool. So um, shifting the conversation towards uh, music play online, um, can you talk about how you started that? Pro I mean, I, I, I'm getting where the birth of it came from, but how, when it became music play, um, you know, how did that whole, how did it happen? And, and what, why did you start it? And what were you trying to address? Well, when I when I wrote music play, I had already written probably 10 or 12 resources. And at that time, in the 90s, there was still records. Right. And yep. in Canadian schools, the only music programs still had records, they hadn't even gone to cassette tapes, and forget CDs. So I decided that I could do this. And I don't know how I could be so audacious as to think I could write a whole curriculum all by myself. But I sat down with Alberta, British Columbia, and Ontario curriculums in hand, and I just wrote it. The, the genesis of it actually came from my Kodai levels, mm -hmm. where our final project was to write a curriculum for four months for one grade level. And I just expanded that on my own for five years. And then Music Play happened. Uh, music Play was uh, released in the year 2000. And we've revised it many, many times along the way, but really it became the uh, dominant music curriculum in Canada. We thought it was going to be a Canadian music curriculum, but then people in the States started wanting it too. So when we revised, we made sure to add American folk songs, American mm. content. Where O Canada is, we have Star Spangled Banner. So we we made it fit, fit both um, both streams. Artie Almeida and I started our workshopping, and it's a legendary workshop. Our first one was on a, ship, <laughs> on a cruise ship in 2010. Um, Artie and I had met at a number of conferences. You get to know all the other presenters. And we had noticed that John Fireabend was doing a cruise workshop. We thought, John Fireabend can do it. We can, we can too. Do it. Absolutely. And we made it happen. We had 27 teachers. And the Artie and Denise workshop just got bigger and bigger and bigger after that. So I think it was 2012, maybe 2013, we had our workshop in Nashville. And we always reached out to sort of local people to, and invited them to come in and do a session. So Quaver came in and did a session. And that was when I realized where music education was going. We're not gonna have print products anymore. They're going to be online. Yep. And I was aware of aware of Quaver and kind of watching what they were doing and thinking, it's good. I can do it better. And yep. that's again very audacious. But I I really felt that my pedagogy, having the orphan the Kodai background, was different and and probably more relatable mm -hmm. for music educators. So I I looked at the idea of doing this. I explored a few government grant opportunities. And as it turned out, National Research Council of Canada had a program for digitizing Canadian content. Oh, cool. And when I contacted them, the rep in central Alberta was a parent of two very talented, quirky, nerdy little kids that I had taught music to. Oh. She 
loved me. And when she walked in the door and saw all these books that we'd written, she went as far as she could to support me. Oh, that's and it, great. That, that, that was fabulous. That first government grant built the initial build of Music Play Online. Um, lots of happy coincidences along the way. We had a graphic artist walk into our building from, he was from Korea, spoke minimal English, but just a really, really lovely person. And we hired him thinking that's what he was, was a graphic artist. When we got this grant to build the website and we were trying to decide how we were gonna outsource the building of this, he, he said, I think I could do it. Oh. <laughs> and people did it. He spent a whole year on the build and what he built was so solid that it lasted until COVID hit us and the website really needed um, a refresh. Right. So yeah, I love the idea of the adaptation that you had this print curriculum, very, very popular. You go and see Quaver, which any elementary music teacher in America has heard of at this point. They seem to be the very dominant uh, in terms of commercial reach. They certainly are everywhere. And you, I love the fact that you saw it. And Artie Almeida is another, I'm another huge fan uh, of, of hers as well. And you just said, hey, we can do this too. Um, and I remember when, when it came out and I just said, wow, this is absolutely fantastic. So maybe you can give us like a, a, a quick overview of what actually it is um, for those who have, may have heard of music play online, but no, don't quite know what it is. So it started out to take our print and recorded curriculum and put it online. And that's, that's kind of, that was the initial thought. So every, uh, we have about a hundred songs per grade level and we go now from pre-K up to middle school. So eight grade levels. So the songs that uh, are in music play, we put them online and we put them online with a wealth of additional materials. So we made song videos and then we started creating additional resources for it. It's, uh, it's grown so much since the early inception mm -hmm. that now we have all these beautiful interactive ac activities for every song, but we also have composition tools. We have listening activities. We have, um, it, it, let me just go, I'm going to go on the site so I can see better. Um, That's awesome. Yeah. There's we, a lot. Uh, I, there is a, there is a ton. We built music games. We have ended up putting methods for teaching pretty well every classroom instrument on the site. We're still working on drumming, but we have recorder, ukulele, guitar, boom whackers, bucket drums, all those beautiful things. Uh, we created a rhythm practice and solfa practice section. And again, the original build had these because I wanted, I use rhythm flashcards a lot in my classroom, makes sense to take them digitally as well. And again, they've just grown since the first inception. Yeah. Same with solfa. I'm a Kodai trained teacher. I like using solfa in my classroom, particularly from kindergarten to grade three. So we put all the tools for teaching solfa and tried to make it fun adding things like poison melody, which yep, I love that. Like. That's very cool. The gamification has really been um, it's always a challenge. How much is game and how much is content and educational value? And when I'm looking at games, I'm critical of the ones that are too much game and not enough fun 
sorry, too much fun and not enough content. Exactly. But I don't want to go the other way. Too much content and not enough fun. And with our two newest games, the Space Adventure and the Coconut Chaos, we've hit that balance of fun and content that Absolutely. I think is, is the sweet spot. Uh, really, the, the big growth of Music Play Online, because I was still really, really busy workshopping, it stayed relatively small until COVID. Yep. And when the lockdown came, we had a problem with our student login. It was causing the site to crash. We simply disabled it and made it free for kids all over the world. And that was free from March 2020 until fall of 2021. And teachers appreciated it, used it. It got us much more widely known worldwide, I would say, than we were prior to COVID. And I, I thought in the fall of 2020, I thought nobody's going to subscribe because the website's still free. I didn't think we would see an increase actually in our users, but we did. It tripled um, the size of our, our user base. And we have very loyal followers who are continuing to subscribe uh, today. It's wonderful. Yeah, no, it, we, we experienced almost the exact same thing. Um, and it was nice. We, we did something very similar where we gave our site away for, I think it was three to six months, somewhere in there. And we had a half a million people sign up and say, yes, we'll like a free account. And I went, uh-oh. Um, we probably had we experienced some of the same growing pains that you did when you get that many people kind of panicked. I mean, on the one hand, I'm sure you'll, you'll agree, Denise, on the one hand, it was it was absolutely frightening on a personal level and, and wondering what was going to happen, period. But on the other hand, really nice. One of the things that that got me personally through COVID was knowing that a product that I had created was helping. I'm sure you must have felt the same way. Oh, very, very much so. Um, I even got an award for it. The Florida oh, wow. Music Educators gave me um, an award for outstanding contribution to music education. And I mean, I, that's not what why we did it. We did it because it was the right thing to do. And we wanted kids to keep making music, even if they were learning from home. Oh, that's wonderful. That's very cool and and richly deserved. So that, that I really appreciate it. I'm going to I'm going to take a little bit of a left turn now and and talk about um, the fact that you are one of a very few uh, female leaders of at, at this point I, I don't know if you consider Music Play Online a tech company, but um, or or really just a publisher who uses tech to deliver content. But I just like to what is it like being a, a female business person in this kind of very male dominated tech industry? Here's a male talking to you about, you know, what it's like. Um, honestly, I've never really thought of myself that way. I've just done what I needed to do. And I, I, I think, yeah, I really haven't thought of myself as being a female leader in a male dominated industry. I just do what I love, what I'm passionate about. I think females tend to do things a little bit differently than males. I think, yep. I think male led industries are looking at profit margins and bottom line, where for me, this is a passion project and, and it just has happened to grow really big. Uh, but it really is this is something that I want to leave as my legacy when I'm dead and gone. They're going to look at this and go, oh, that's the lady that did music play and gave music to kids. And profit worries me much less than 
just giving people a good experience. I love it. I love it. That's, uh, I, and I'm sure, I'm sure that's why you're pro I, I, I have to say to everybody listening, um, when I first got a, when we first started to talk and I, and I got a, a demo account and went in, I, I am just floored by the quality, um, by the amount of content that's available, the affordability, um, just it, it, what you just said shines through in your product. It is just, um, everyone on my music first team, for example, after we met for the first time, just said, oh my God, this thing is incredible. Um, the amount of stuff that's there um, and the quality and the attention to detail. Um, really, uh, I think you should be very proud of what you've done. And, and how, how big is, is Music Plan? How many people are on your team, Denise? Um, I think we just added one. So I think we're at 16. Wow. Yeah, and I have to say, I a lot of people think this is Denise Gagne. This isn't Denise Gagne anymore. The actual operations manager of the company is Carrie Lynn. And Carrie Lynn came to us as a summer student when she was um, in university in doing a composition degree. And, and she is a phenomenal organizer and manager, and I am not. And so I leave <laughs> the operations and the management in Carrie Lynn's hands. And Carrie Lynn's partner is the senior tech. And the oh, that's perfect. Them, Very convenient. Very convenient. Uh, they're, they're formidable because she has the educational music vision. He has the technical know-how to make it happen. And we wouldn't be what we are if it wasn't for that team and many others on our team. We have some, we have four music degrees, theater diplomas. We have a, a wealth of talent. We have um, one of our programmers speaks 15 languages. Oh my God, 15? 15. Yeah, yeah. no, that's great. That's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, that, let, let's just, um, if we can get into a little more detail on music play online, music educators, elementary music educators, I started my career at elementary school, I then did pre K to eight general vocal instrumental in a one uh, one school, one music teacher type situation. And I remember as an elementary music teacher, and, and I'd love your thoughts on this, that um, unlike being a middle school band choir orchestra director, high school band choir orchestra director, I felt when I was doing literally what I thought was a three ring circus of which I was the ringmaster, I didn't have one moment of free time. I would have I'd come in in the morning, I'd have two classes of kindergarten back to back half an hour, immediately followed by two classes of second grade back to back. Then I'd have a, you know, a lunch duty, and then I'd go right into eighth grade back to back, and then seventh grade back to back, and then I did after school band. Um, I just remember not having any time whatsoever to plan and that I would be spending my evenings uh, much to my chagrin, to be honest, as a young 22-year-old, going, <laughs> I have to plan all of my classes tomorrow. And I was given nothing. When I first walked into that classroom, there were some old and dusty Silver Burdette um, um, music uh, curriculum books from the 70s. Um, and I wonder, you know, what, it, it, there, there, it's a very, it's a very big group of elementary music out, educators out there in America for certain, and, and as well as Canada, um, you know, what is it that people will be getting when they, when they get music play online and how does it differ from other, other app 
apps that are out there. So I shouldn't be saying so, so much. It's um, quite all right. <laughs> I say okay a lot too. Um, one of the things with Music Play Online that we built during COVID was a series of lesson modules. And these are fully now fully customizable. And when we started building them, we, we thought we were building them for kids at home. That was the initial right. focus. But now we realize teachers are using these and talk about saving planning time. If you can go through a Denise lesson and you like the way it's formatted and used, you don't have to plan your own. If you want to make it your own, you can copy it and then you edit it and make it your own. I think this is the biggest jump that we've made as a as a team. Mm. Uh, I think I think these lesson modules are absolutely fabulous. The my list you can create one from scratch and you can go around the website, choose what you want and put it into your list. I find the very dedicated music teachers still want to create their own lessons and yep. that's 100% fine. But we've put all the tools so that you can quickly create this list and you can save this list from one year to the next if you want to and, and use it again. I think the, the my lists and the learning modules are the biggest breakthrough for us that, um, that to, to reduce that planning time. And if you have a sub, you can give your sub, your student login, they can go right to the learning module for the week and you don't have to plan sub lessons. Honestly, Jim, I think planning sub lessons was worse than planning my own. Oh, no doubt. All... I, I, I would, I, I'd rather go into school sick than, yes. than make sub lessons. <laughs> I, and I think everybody feels like that. And with, um, with music play online, you can give the sub the link to the learning module for the week and done. Yeah. I, I've had teachers comment on our music play teachers group on Facebook over and over that this saved me. I had an emergency something. I couldn't plan lessons. My sub loved it. They found it easy to do and my kids enjoyed it. Yep. And what more can you ask? I, I mean, honestly, I'd be, I, I would say I'd rather, I, I went into school with the flu to avoid <laughs> writing, you know, mm -hmm. the, it, it's one thing when you're a, when you're a math teacher and I'm not, I'm not, you know, no, no offense to math or science or social studies teachers, but you give them a reading and some questions and the kids will get through the class with, without the teacher. But music is one of those things, kind of like phys ed and, and maybe art as well, where it's really hard to write a lesson plan, especially when you have no idea whether the sub has any clue what you're doing. So I would just leave movies, which were awful, um, you know, like with nothing, just, all right, just show this movie, watch, have them watch Riverdance for the hundredth time. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I, I get that. And when you showed that sub uh, section the other day, it's just fantastic. It, it makes it uh, a lot easier. Now, Denise, what do you think about a teacher buying Music Play Online or any product for that matter, and just using that as their entire curriculum? Or do you, do you, do you want teachers to bring in their own ideas or, or is it meant to be, no, you follow this letter by letter? We have always referred to music play as a menu. Yep. And if you go into a restaurant, you can't order everything on the menu. We have a wealth of choices. And I think you can choose, pick and choose from music play and create your own materials. But there's a lot of teachers that use music play online as a supplement. They use it 
more for the rhythm practice, the sulfur practice and the games because their kids love it. Yep. Uh, I, my guess would be maybe 30% of the teachers using music play online do follow it loosely as a curriculum. And I say loosely because some schools have music once a week for 30 minutes. Some schools have music twice a week for 45. So every, every person is going to use this a little bit different. Yep. I do not want music play online ever to replace a well-trained music teacher. You're here. This, this is a tool and it replaces the overheads from when I started teaching, the charts that I made hundreds of over the years. Instead of having to make all those things, we've provided it digitally. And that I think is, uh, is a valid use of Music Play Online. I don't want any teacher ever to be criticized by a principal or an admin for using screens too much. So we offer, in particular, beat and rhythm options. We offer the screen to um, model, for the teacher to model, but then we offer lots of copy and cutout manipulatives so that the kids still touch, feel, and learn by, by doing. Yep. Um, I would use the screen to model, and then I would play the game myself. I wouldn't have that, you know, I'd probably turn the screen off three quarters of the time. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. I get it. I get it. sounds heretical coming from me. I've spent my entire career trying to convince music teachers that technology is a good thing. And COVID made everybody just have to. Um, but the, the, the most depressing thing to me is to see really young children using iPads all the time, almost as pacifiers when they're not in school. And then when they go in school, this kind of screen time, screen time, screen time. I personally think I, I when I taught pre-K music, it was probably the greatest half hour of my week. Uh, you know, <laughs> you walk in and 25 four-year-olds look at you like you're a superhero. And this is going to be the greatest 30 minutes of their week. And they come and hug you. I'm sure you, you've had similar yeah. experiences. It makes you, and no matter how bad your personal day is going, you walk in and see all these little smiling faces. The last thing I would want to do is say, all right, today we're going to, you know, everybody get out your iPads. And we're going to make music. I want them singing, dancing, playing, you know, uh, playing instruments. I don't know how you feel about it, but I, I think that the way, the reason I love music play online is that it's really meant to be, all right, here's some fabulous resources. Here's some great lessons, some great songs, but the intent is not, all right, now you're going to play, a, you're going to do your entire 30 minutes of music class online. It's, it's meant to be a resource that, you know, you're doing music in, I've, for lack of a better way of saying it, the way it should be done, in my opinion, at elementary, which is singing, dancing, playing, moving. Yeah, I, I the active music making has to be the prime focus of any program. I answered a question this morning on Facebook and a teacher was talking, um, she was asking a question about how she can teach ancient civilizations and music in her classroom and she was having her kids write reports, research and write reports. And I wrote back to her, you know, I said, you, what you should be doing is talking about things like the drum that was used in ancient civilizations and is still used today. Yep. And then do some drumming with your kids. Talk about flutes 
that were used in ancient civilizations and the modern flute has keys. But hey, look at the recorder. The recorder is much the same as it was 400 years ago and then teach the recorder. If you were going to teach a soccer unit, would you teach them the rules of soccer and about the history of soccer or would you take the kids outside and play soccer with them? 100% agreed on that. <laughs> yeah. a, I love that analogy. That's fabulous. Yeah, I mean, the the reason I called music first, music first, just in case, I don't think I've ever said this in, in out loud, is that it's all about music. Music mm -hmm. is first. Um, quality pedagogy is second. And, you know, technology helping is just an it's it's a tool. It's not it's not the thing. Um, yeah, it, it's just really great to hear that, um, Denise, and I hope every elementary teacher takes note. So I have a few more minutes with you and I have uh, just two more questions if you don't mind. Um, the first is uh, I always ask um, what advice you would give to other music teachers who are thinking of incorporating music play online or any type of technology into their elementary or middle school program. What advice would you give them? Well, the, what we just talked about, I think it's a wonderful tool, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't want them to spend too much screen time. I would incorporate it slowly, maybe trying one lesson with kids on tech a month. And then if it's successful, you can try more. I, I hear from a lot of teachers and QR codes help a lot with this now yep. that just getting the kids to an activity can take such a big chunk of your time that they lose music instructional time. Yep. Um, and so, you know, test it out on a on a small level before you jump in and try to do a whole ton of technology. Grade five, grade six, grade seven kids. I think there's huge need and demand for teaching them about electronic music. And again, best way to do it is by doing it. You use the apps that allow you to create, um, I think Soundtrap is the one that Music First has. Yep. And and apps like that are really, really good for your older kids. But for your little ones, I would say minimal use of devices, of student devices in your personal classes, I think is going to be, you know, let them do it once in a while as a treat but I wouldn't do it as my full-time music program. Yeah, I agree. Well said. Uh, all right, so my final question, and I could talk to you for hours, Denise, this is, uh, I'm, I'm just so pleased that we're finally working together. Um, it's the magic wand question. And if you could wave a magic wand and have music play online, do something that it can't do now, or music technology in general, what would it be? I think music technology in general, it would really be nice if we could get rid of the time lag when we're doing a song so that you could actually sing at the same time when you're on a Zoom. Absolutely. That that would be my number one complaint. I think there's a few people who are claiming now that they can do it, but I don't think it's very successful. Um, for Music Play Online, we have embarked on a recording project that is going to be multi-year. But we start, we, we have started and we're going to redo the recordings all with live instruments and with uh, the children that sing on the Plank Road and the Hal Leonard recordings. Oh, wow. And if I could wave a magic wand and have that all done, that would be my process. magic wand, but it's not going to be that quick and easy. Yeah, no, I hear you. That's uh, that's a big one. Um, the, the funny thing is, and, and I'm 
random question, but you but you brought it up. I think that of all the music teachers who had the shortest straw <laughs> that they drew of all teachers, it was an elementary music teacher during COVID. Yes. Um, period. Full stop. Because if if those children who were learning remotely needed anything um, at all, in my opinion, any class, the the most important one. Uh, was probably music and phys ed, you know, sitting in front of a screen all day. I, I, I would just, I, any, uh, before I let you go, any, any wonderful stories or anything that you heard about teachers, you know, teaching elementary during COVID with, with your products or, or any, you know, were there any good stories that you heard? (laughs) Um, I get sent videos of, Uh, parents at home using music play. And the funniest one that I got was a teacher that was using body percussion by Christian. And then we'd ask them to create their own body percussion. And this one little boy sent a video of him creating body percussion with his cat. (laughs) And he had the cat clapping and patting and bouncing. Dear God, it was funny. I I laughed and laughed and our staff laughed. So there were some really creative ways that teachers were able to adapt and use. And I, I think there was lots of teachers that saw fun stuff from kids at home. Here, here, that's, <laughs> that's fabulous. Well, Denise, really a pleasure to speak with you. Um, for those of you listeners who are not already aware, Music First is now a reseller of Music Play Online. You can go on musicfirst.com, um, go over to the software section, check it out, get a free uh, trial. Um, but Denise, uh, absolutely a delight to chat with you. And um, I, I hope to see you at a conference on the road soon. I, I hope so too. I, I think that's going to happen uh, sooner rather than later. All right. Well, take care, Denise. Thanks so much, Jim. Bye. Thank you for listening to Profiles in Teaching with Technology from Music First. For more information about Music First, please visit www.musicfirst.com. If you would like to stay up to date with other music teachers doing innovative things in their classrooms with technology, please subscribe to our podcast through whatever outlet you listen to podcasts on. Thanks for listening.